Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Miles Olson Podcast. The subject of today's episode is anxiety and trust. Looking at the voice of anxiety inside of us and the voice of trust inside of us. Without further ado, let's get started. So a couple of months ago, I was going for my morning walk. I go for a walk every morning for about an hour to an hour and a half. And on this morning, I had just left my apartment building and I noticed right away a a strange pain in the ball of my left foot. And I suspected that this had something to do with some aggressive skateboarding that I'd been doing uh, for a couple days leading up to this. And immediately I noticed a voice come, come up in my head and it started saying things like, oh no, this is bad. This, this could be really, really, really bad. You might not be able to walk and you need to walk tonight. For work, you need to walk for the next couple days a lot. And you've got this pain in your foot? This is, this is looking extremely bad. This voice was um, what I would describe as catastrophizing. It was picking up this interesting sensation in my foot. Yes, it was painful. I could still walk, but it was painful. Um, And feeling this unusual feeling, this anxious, catastrophizing voice came online and started projecting the worst case scenario and freaking out. I am familiar enough with this voice that when it comes on inside of me, I know that I should be weary of believing it because it often takes me down very un, unhappy rabbit holes of thinking and being. So noticing this anxious voice and knowing that it's usually not correct and knowing that it often just projects its own... Um, negative feelings onto everything. So if there's a an interesting feeling or experience, it just projects disaster onto it. Um, so recognizing all this, I kind of, I guess I, uh, I reached into another voice inside of me that I'll call the trust voice. And the trust voice, um, it has a faith in life that isn't simply a a blind faith. It's a faith that's based in experience. And the trust voice in this case said something like, I know you're worried, but this is just a feeling. It's a feeling of pain, yes, but we don't know if it's going to get worse or if it's going to get better. And in all probability, it is going to get better because our body in, in our experience of living in this body, is a miraculous instrument of healing and regeneration. And if we give it rest, and we give it good food, and we treat it in a reasonable way, it can work extraordinary miracles of healing. And when we fixate on the little aches and pains, we can make those a lot louder than they need to be. So I had this quick dialogue with these two different parts of myself, and um, before I had walked a full block, I just let it go. I knew that there was this 
aching feeling in the ball of my foot, and I just wasn't going to think about it. I was going to carry on, and I wasn't going to do anything foolish, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a severe enough pain to stop me from going for a walk or to make that feel irresponsible. So I just carried on with my walk and let go of that, that anxious, catastrophizing fear. And about 30 seconds pass, and I'm just absorbing this beautiful, sunny Saturday morning. There are birds in the trees. It's glorious. I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I look down, And lo and behold, there is a crisp $20 bill laying on the sidewalk. And I look around. There's no one around. And I look down at the $20 bill, and I think to myself, I am not above picking up this $20 bill before the next passerby comes along and does so. And I I actually stood in there for maybe a minute just waiting to see if anybody was around. And it was early in the morning. The neighborhood was basically still asleep. And I just, just, you know, it just made sense that, hey, this is a a blessing. So I picked it up, put it in my pocket. Then I thought to myself, that's a good sign. Maybe I should do more of this uh, accessing that trust voice inside of me. I went on another morning walk about a month ago, and during this walk, I don't know how this question came to my mind, but I was asking myself, out of my inner circle of friends, all the people that I consider close friends, how many people don't struggle with some level of slightly debilitating or challenging anxiety. Um, Not necessarily anxiety that requires treatment, but uh, anxiety that I would consider quite strong and a significant part of their life. So I went through the Rolodex. I don't have that many close friends, so it didn't take that long. And I found one person. There was only one person who doesn't have some kind of intense anxiety that they struggle with. However, that one person is taking anti-anxiety medication that has helped them um, learn how to coexist with that part of themselves. So I couldn't help but kind of laugh to myself about that. And I share this, I guess, to put this conversation into context for one, and the context being that um, I'm sure many people have said that we're living in what feels like an age of anxiety or an epidemic of anxiety. And uh, of course, the events of the last couple of years have contributed to this greatly, and probably things like social media are contributing to this in an ongoing way. And also the fact that we as a society are starting to talk about our feelings more probably contributes to this. And this leads into the second reason I shared that anecdote. It's very, very, very common for us to have anxious feelings and thoughts. It seems um, almost ubiquitous. I talked a second ago about my close friends and how most of them struggle with some kind of anxiety at some level, some more severe than others. 
I also am aware that most of my acquaintances and kind of um, not as close friends, they also, most of them, have struggles with anxiety of some degree. And when I first realized this, I wondered, do I just attract this type of person? Or is it that if you just have honest conversations with people, you will discover that this is going on in everybody? Maybe not everybody, but in a lot of people, myself included. It's just really normal. And given how common it is, and given how debilitating anxiety can be for people when it grows really, really loud and intense and painful, it's something that I've thought a lot about. And I, at some point, I had a friend who was struggling a lot with severe anxiety, and I was having some conversations with her about it, and just trying to be a supportive presence. And I remember after one of these conversations, I went off and I thought to myself, what's the opposite of anxiety? Because whatever the opposite of anxiety is, if I can hold that for this person, then maybe I can be one beam of light in their world. And the answer that came to me, and this is very subjective, um, because it's based on my own personal experience with, with what I experience as anxiety. But the answer for me was trust. The opposite of anxiety for me is a sense of trust in life, in myself, and in the ultimate goodness in some bigger picture of my experience. And when I'm in anxiety, there's a part of me that doesn't feel like it can trust, it can't let go, it needs to control, or it needs to hide, or um, understand, or fix, or make a problem out of something so that it can solve that problem. But it, it does, it trusts and letting go and surrender are not, <laughs> like, they're not part of my anxiety experience. And as I've uh, explored inner work over the years, the part of me that has a very solid, firm, um, fact-based sense of trust in life is the part of me that can offer the most stable support to the anxious parts. For the past while, my life has been pretty peaceful and simple and calm emotionally. But there has been one part of my life that has uh, been kind of the most consistent source of anxiety and um, conflict inside of me. And that, that part of my life is my career and my path as an author, which this podcast is uh, a significant piece of. And this anxious place in me, uh, in relation to my path as an author, um, 
it's it feels and says and thinks things like i'm never going to be successful nothing that i do is ever going to be good enough it's never good enough nobody likes it i shouldn't share because i'm a burden people are going to laugh at what i create it's not good it's n- or even if it is like artistically good this culture that i live in doesn't value it and will never value it i'll never figure out how to package it and get it to an audience you know even if i've created a brilliant sacred thing nobody cares nobody's going to notice things like that this place in me feels an ongoing restlessness and a sense of incompleteness and incompletion um that can be kind of exhausting to carry to be honest and it's also not really true because the work that i have been doing that i've been putting out it hasn't been reaching an enormous audience but it has been reaching individuals and i've been consistently getting like sacred beautiful feedback from individuals but this anxious part of me it has a very specific vision of success or love and um when love and success manifest in ways that don't match its idea it doesn't really let them in it doesn't really register them so there's this this uh this place in me that feels this discontent and this restlessness and it's kind of, is painful and it leads to things like frustration and just deflation and um anger i will say the one positive side effect of this place this restlessness in me is that it does compel me to create the kind of like best healthiest function of this restless place in me as uh that it will compel me to do something like pull back from the world for 9 or 10 months so that i can just devote myself fully to writing a book and refining it and sharpening it and making it beautiful because there's this place in me that has standards and it has um accountability and it cares it cares it cares i'm very grateful for that that part of it oh my gosh it's amazing but like i said it can also just lead to like self-loathing and negativity and not receiving positive feedback and love and encouragement when it's actually happening so it it can be a hurtful force if i let it get out of control and i find that every once in a while if this this anxious voice gets really loud and rambunctious and i'm starting to feel it saturate me i'll have to just sit down and reach into this other place in me that the trust voice and just let that trust voice put things into perspective and in this context the trust voice would say things like miles your success is here it's alive and it's brilliant 
And it is different than your preconceived ideas. It's a real living success that you get to experience in your relationships with people. It's not just something superficial. It's not just praise in this abstract way. It's something that you're living and breathing and experiencing. Miles, there's a timeline that's unfolding that's bigger than you can understand with your mind. You're on a path that you're going to be on for the rest of your life. The immediate feedback you get day to day for every piece of creation that you put into the world is basically irrelevant because you're going to be an author creating and sharing for the rest of your life. You get to build what your path is going to be for the rest of your life. So you don't need to worry about the, uh, the preconceived ideas that, of success that, um, that aren't unfolding on the timeline that you thought they would. Because you have eternity to work with. You're all in. This is your life. This is your work. This is your craft. And you are sharing for the sake of sharing. You're not giving to receive. You're giving to give. And when you give just to give, when you create for the love of creation, you don't need a ton of validation because you have an inner purpose. You have a strength. So this trust voice in me is pretty, pretty fucking awesome. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's uh, grounded in reality. It, it's, you know, it has facts to back up the supportive spirit that it's holding. Um, probably every day and several times a day, on a small scale, I'll have this dialogue between my anxious, worried part and then this trusting part that just trusts life. It trusts myself. It trusts my path. It trusts love. It just has faith in the bigger picture of life. Um, and it's not so worked up about the trivialities of what that looks like today, of what I'm getting today, of how I'm received in this moment. And I'm aware that um, at different points in our lives, because of different experiences, that trust voice can feel a lot more tenuous. It can feel a lot more distant. And things that can help rebuild that voice, well, I know that for me, the things that have helped build that voice are spending time in nature, choosing to be close to people who are really trustworthy, who are really good, kind, loving, empathetic people, choosing to expose myself to um, teachings and literature and art that engenders um, a sense of integrity and sacredness and trust in life. So kind of curating my information diet to help foster and repair this sense of trust in life, and also making choices 
that are loving for myself, whether it's um, romantic relationship choices or dietary choices um, or choosing to not take certain substances in my body, building a sense of love and trust just um, through making loving, trustworthy choices for my own self. I think these are all pretty helpful pieces. And I know that books and podcasts um, and audiobooks and things like that can be a part of this. And so that's why I'm making this podcast, um, to share honestly, to help contribute in some small way to fostering a sense of trust in, uh, in everyone who listens to podcasts like this, because what could be better? Well, I think that's all for today. Um, this is a big subject, and I'll probably revisit it in some way, shape, or form in future episodes. But for now, uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you're interested in more, check out the show notes. You'll find links to my website, my book, all that good stuff. And um, I'll see you next time. Until then, take care.